0: Hey, this is Julia Stern, and you're listening to Not My Best, the podcast that reminds you it's okay not to perform at your best 100% of the time. When we shift the focus to become a little bit better instead of trying to be at our best all the time, we'll accomplish a lot more, and we'll have way more fun doing it. Let's get into it. Hi, it's me, Julia Stern, and this is Not My Best Podcast, where you are reminded to try and be a little bit better in everything that you do because your best is just not attainable 100% of the time. I am talking to you from my hotel room floor in San Francisco, where I needed to wait for housekeeping to stop vacuuming because it was really loud in the microphone. So that is me just trying to do this podcast a little bit better, and I hope that you take that, and if this sounds like it's perfect, know that it's not. (laughs) I have had some really great things happen to me in the last few weeks, both professionally and personally, and it feels like everything is moving at a mile a minute, and because everything moves so quickly, I kind of lose my grip every once in a while. So if you are having a week where just stuff is happening at you and you feel like you are struggling to keep up, stop where you are, take a breath. Tell yourself that you are doing great and then go continue to kick ass. And that's my little mini message for the week because I feel like it just needed to be said. Even when things are going fantastic for you, it still doesn't mean that you don't deserve a little bit of self-kindness. With that being said, let's hop right into today's episode. I am talking to Michelle Cordero-Grant, who is the CEO and founder of Lively, which if you haven't heard of this brand, they make comfortable bras like I'm talking crazy comfortable, I found this company at its inception when I used to be a math teacher and I was getting dressed up every day for work, way before a time where I lived in spandex. But even if comfy bras aren't your thing, don't turn this podcast off because there's a lot of value in this conversation. She started this company four years ago and built it on community. So she grew ambassadors and then there were 10,000 and then there were 20,000 and now she's up to 100,000. So she started this company with a strong message that she believed in, which was basically that women needed options. <laughs> and then she used these ambassadors to create a growing community of women who felt the same way. After listening to this convo, I would love to hear a message that you believe in and are interested in spreading. You could find me at Not My Best Podcast or at Julia L Stern on Instagram. And before we hop into the conversation, a quick message from Red Bar. They are a plant-based protein bar, low in sugar, full of adaptogens that help us adapt to stress you can find them at reddbar.com and use the code notmybest for 15% off my favorite flavor is the oatmeal which is surprising because on paper I'm not really an oatmeal person I'm more of a chocolate person but don't underestimate the power of an oatmeal flavored red bar All right, enjoy this conversation. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Not My Best Podcast, Michelle
1: Cordero Grant. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yeah,
0: I was able to speak with you a few weeks ago and for your podcast, which we're going to get into, but I love the brand so much and everything that you stand for. And it's only four years old?
1: Yeah, we will be four this April.
0: Incredible. And even weirder, I found your company when I was still a teacher so I wasn't even with Rumble yet and that had to have been 2016 so I found you at like your inception and I don't know how or it must have been good Instagram marketing (laughs) that's amazing yeah because I purchased your bras a long time ago so you are the CEO and founder of Lively correct which is an incredible Incredible! Like you might not realize it now, but after listening to this podcast, you're probably wearing the wrong bra. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> this is like life changing stuff. Thank you. So just tell me a little bit about your product and why you think it's been able to achieve such success over mm-hmm. such a short amount of time.
1: Sure. You know, it started. Uh, I had a background working in lingerie for Victoria's Secret and some brands for Macy's and Bloomingdale's, and I always felt like bras were this kind of icky chore thing that we as women had to just put on every morning. Agreed. It's so weird. And, and
0: uncomfortable. And
1: uncomfortable. And then you couple that with all of these wires and things, so you're essentially just like forcing your body into a contraption every morning, and then counting down the minutes until you it's take like it It's like a off. modern
0: day corset.
1: Yeah, it's Like, bizarre. we make fun
0: of how women used to, like, tie themselves up, but we're doing the same
1: thing. We are basically yeah. doing the same thing. So, after being at Victoria's Secret for quite some time, I had worn the very sexy push-up, and then the bombshell came out, which was, like, an add-to cup, and I'm like, this is just It was major.
0: Control. I feel like I was in college at the time that that happened, and I don't know anybody who didn't have that right? bra.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which and was, think... like, a stack of padding <laughs> inside of a cup. And there was actually, like, a woman that, I forget, she fell into the pool and couldn't swim in the bombshell, like, basically... No! like a flotation device it was just bizarre so so I just felt like with athleisure and everything that was happening it just was time to create something that really kind of conformed to women's unique curves versus us putting the contraption on every day and then when I would talk to women they were basically wearing sports bras and swimwear on the weekends no one was wearing an actual bra And from a product perspective, it came down to a stat I read, which was 60% of the time women wear a sports bra, they're not working out. So I'm like, well, obviously there's a room to play and combine these elements into what quote unquote bras and lingerie offered. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just a bunch of girls getting together and saying like, what do we want versus what has corporate America said we should be And told us that we
0: need to wear. Yeah. You coined the term (laughs) leisure, which I absolutely love. It's like leisure wear and lingerie. Speak to that a little bit.
1: Sure. Yeah. So leisure is basically a word (laughs) that I made up on a run in Central Park in in February of 2016. Um, And essentially what it was is it articulates what our product is. It's the intersection of athleisure swimwear and the functionality of lingerie coming together to create a bra that is essentially comfortable and stylish. Because I always had two rows and I feel like most women who haven't worn lively yet probably do too. Comfortable bras you wear every day, basic and boring bras that you would wear on a first day, on occasion, etc. Can't wait to take it off. Mm-hmm. And how do you bring The fancy together?
0: kind and the kind that you actually <laughs> want to wear. Totally. <laughs> and you've taken the two and you've combined them. Yes. Which is great. I mean, I've spoken with this with other guests as well too, but like I work in fitness, so I'm constantly wearing athleisure and I live in spandex. The only time I'm putting on a fancy bra is if I absolutely have to. Yep. Until Lively came along because your push-up bras, like the underwire is not digging into my rib cage. I don't have these marks on my shoulders, which by the way, I don't have that much to work with <laughs> as is. Yes. So like the fact that I was wearing these like crazy contraptions sucking me in when there was hardly any need for it for me as well. And we're, you are really big on inclusivity, which we're going to get into, but you've also created this community. So why is that important and how do you think it's contributed to lively success?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I had worked for big brands and I was always a huge fan and I still geek out on the concept of brand and what it does to human psyche. You know, a brand really evokes human emotion and it's really not just about the product they sell. It's what the brand stands for over and over and over again. And I was surrounded by brands where I didn't feel like I looked like the marketing and I wasn't really, um, feeling great about the fact that I didn't look like the marketing. And so as social media started to develop, it just occurred to me that we shouldn't be creating brands from a corporation speaking out to the world. We should actually allow the world to build the brand for us. And that's what Lively is. Lively started out as a conversation on on social media and with focus groups of women from different genres coming together to really decide what should the brand look like, what should the brand say, and more, most importantly, what should the brand make? Um, so that started out with 100 women in our community when we launched in 2016, and now we're at 100,000. It's so and crazy. So- <laughs> I was
0: looking up some stats about your company, and it was like 30,000, and then you would read an article from a couple months later, and it's like 80,000, <laughs> and now you're at 100,000, and yeah. it's just incredible, like the skyrocketing success, because women want to feel heard, and they want to feel like they're part of a community, and you're able to give them that voice.
1: Totally, and for us, you know, our brand's purpose is to inspire women to be passionate, purposeful, and confident. You know, Victoria's Secret's angel fantasy push-up, Ralph is prestige and luxury. For us, we just want women to see that logo and remind themselves individuality should evoke confidence, which should unlock passion, which should deliver purpose and so that's the thread line really of all these women doesn't matter how old you are where you live how much money you make or what you do the commonality is that we want to channel our passion our confidence and kick ass
0: it's so beautiful and the narrative is like so simple and it's crazy that that's not more common sense by now (laughs) you know what i mean that it's taken this long and it's really been an evolution and not to down talk any brands i've worn my fair share of Victoria's Secret, I actually love the brand, of course. Um, but there's was some talk this year about the Victoria's Secret fashion show um, and how that might be discontinued and just like coming from someone in college who watched it every year and these beautiful five foot 11 models that are like the size of my actual pinky. And I'm pretty petite. Yeah. Right. So now you have all of these women of different sizes watching that and like striving to be that. It's super unhealthy. Yeah. Um, and I think you've done a really good job of changing the conversation. Oh,
1: thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, Victoria's Secret gave me some of the greatest gifts of my life. It taught me how to build a company. Yeah. How to build a brand. And less was what a big What do you part think was the
0: most valuable piece of experience that you got from working there?
1: I would say, um, you know, Les Wexner, if you ever listened to any of the or read his articles or how he teaches, he believes that merchants and merchandising is the core of any business. And luckily I was a merchant at Victoria's Secret. And what he taught us was if you are building a brand, you should build a brand with the lens of building a movie. And so your, your models are your actors and your copy is your script and the setting is you know where you shoot. And essentially it's like, what movie do you want to make? He made a movie about you know the fantasy of women and where he wanted to buy lingerie for his wife and what she should look like. And it was very provocative and beautiful. And it was amazing, 80s, 90s, early 2000. But it just didn't evolve. And so I wanted to make my own movie. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: it's great. Yeah. And it, the community that you've built, too. So what do you feel like the role of these ambassadors are to your brand?
1: They're basically the oxygen, you know. They, number one, tell us, you know, where the brand should go and how it should evolve, Mm -hmm. you know, for decades to come. But two, they create the energy and the stickiness of why the brand matters. Like the stories that you hear, there's a, you know, a girl, Mary Alexis in um, Texas. She met a girl at a lively event who became her roommate and now like her life partner in creating business and all sorts of amazing things in her life. Or, you know, a 22-year-old, who felt comfortable just sharing her story about the Braca gene, or another woman who had a blog, who wrote a book that we got to have a book launch party. And so it's just, it's energy that is... It's way more than a bra. It's beyond the bra. And that was the early rule for Lively is... Any physical event or interaction that we have has to have nothing to do with bras Mm -hmm. and only to do with what the community cares about.
0: Yeah, it's so great. I mean, I had spoken on a panel, when was that, a few months ago at this point, um, with some other leaders in wellness at your store. Oh, cool. And it was a very, it was a fun time for me. It was at your store in Soho. Um, And yes, there were incredible women on the panel and that was part of the reason that they showed up. But also, like, you guys have events at this store very often and, like, (laughs) diehards <laughs> the girls who come yeah. like there was a line wrapped around the sidewalk and then i started following your instagram and then i saw that you were like creating a planter and then like you had like a hair event and like, there's shopping mm. involved and the bras are there but it's not like hey come try on bras yeah no. it's make friends meet people i met so many people at that event that now i keep in touch with
1: that's just so because, great yeah yeah i mean the general thesis was people women especially didn't love bras or the bra category so let's change the mindset around that and the only way to do that is have nothing to do with the bra and have everything to do with what they care about it's so great
0: so let's get into um a little bit about your transition so you were working for victoria's secret when did you know that it was the right time to like stop and say i'm gonna go for this
1: yeah um you know it's funny it actually was right after i got married i started to think about you know my husband. And it was really two main things that kind of pushed me towards it. One was I was enamored with the fact that he wanted to spend his life with me and I didn't look like the marketing image. So there's something special about human uniqueness that never occurred to me until really my wedding day. It was nuts. Did that surprise <laughs> you that it
0: took you that long to come to that?
1: Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, You know, I spent is. my 20s trying to really figure out who I was. And then, you know, by the time I was 26, 27, I started to really kind of understand what was going on. And I think once I got married, it kind of just all crystallized. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other piece that was really kind of um, weighing on me was I would see my leaders and these women that I looked up to, my mentors, really sacrificing their personal lives for business and career. And I loved my job so much that I knew I was going to put work before family. And so I didn't want to compromise my new marriage or any relationship I had with my children ahead of time. And then lastly and most importantly, I didn't want my daughter to go through that exploration of two and a half decades trying to figure out what life is about, which is human uniqueness Mm -hmm. and really channeling that. So that all kind of came to a head. And by 2012, I was like, all right, let's do this. It's
0: time. It's time. That's great. I feel like your early twenties are a continuation of being a teenager where you're kind of on autopilot. You have all of these messages coming at you and you're just trying to keep up with them all. Um, and then you really start to like dissect things and think about it a little bit more and create your own thoughts and your own values. Yeah. And that's really interesting. And for me, I'm someone that was always super passionate about my career, but like I can't wait to be a mom someday. And I love being a wife and my family. I feel like I would put that before work. So, where does that struggle lead? Because I also heard somewhere that you got pregnant very shortly after starting yes. Lively.
1: Yeah. So, I was always the woman who. Never held the baby in the room and if someone passed me the baby, the baby would start crying. What do I do with it? <laughs> yeah. I was terrified to have children. And even now, you know, it's more natural for me to go to work than to be a mom. It's just it's something that I really do personally struggle with, like how to balance all of that. But what was interesting was right after I launched Lively, I was exhausted because, you know, launching a company is tiring. Yeah. But it turned out so I was pregnant. pregnant. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> turns out I was pregnant with my son Jack, which was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to really create an organization where I allowed people to be really involved in building this with me and start to build a team and empower them and delegate and create more efficiency in my personal life. Um You know, there's never really a good time to have children. Like, people are always like, oh, yeah, and then I'll have kids, and then I'll have kids. not like everything's
0: out of the way and you've got some free time. Yeah,
1: no, never going to happen. But, you know, it's honestly, it taught me just really what's important in life.
0: Mm -hmm. So what does that balance look like for you?
1: It's um, never ending. So I would say, for me, there's no perfect balance. I kind of think about the holistic picture. So on a given week, I like to wake up. I exercise before my children wake up. Then how they, early uh, so I get up at six it's not crazy okay, that's not um bad. and my children sleep thank God so mm-hmm. they don't come downstairs till seven thirty. but by the time I see them I've already got my endorphins going I've had time by myself um and I already feel grateful for the day and then I hang with them and then I come into the city and you know work until you know six o'clock and I try to get home most days if I don't have events for their bath and their dinner right but there's often, many nights that I'm, I'm sure. not home, many weekends that I'm traveling, and so I pay it back. If I take a weekend away from them, I'll take a day off and spend it with them. So I try to keep the balance in a That's holistic really picture. That's really nice. Do you
0: ever get on top of yourself or feel bad about it? And if you do, how do you combat those feelings?
1: Oh, constantly. Like, yeah. the mom guilt is real. And so all I do is I really think about quality versus quantity. I went to the Oprah Vision tour last weekend. Oh, was it? it? was I've incredible. been watching all the footage. Incredible. And Michelle Obama just said something that's really important around young women and children in general is just look at them look at their eyes let them know that they're that you're present for them make them feel validated and heard and i've been really thinking about that a lot with my children and it's so interesting if you just just listen and look in their eyes they have so much to say and they feel so so special when you just smile back and really acknowledge, you know, what they're sharing no, for with you. sure. That it's was incredible. my favorite
0: part of being a teacher, yeah. And it was often the ones that were the most misbehaved, the yes. ones that needed the attention and needed you to just say, What can I do for you right now? and they'll show you what they need, yeah. Um, but if you look at you know the way that they're behaving, you might not always know that totally off the appearance of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So but, put your phone down basically Yeah, is the struggle. that
0: exactly. Such a struggle. Do you struggle with a technology balance as well?
1: I do. I've gotten much better now where I've just put my phone to the side when I get home yeah. for a good hour and a half and just focus on my family. I've and then talked with course. other
0: guests like stick it in a drawer, stick it in a cabinet.
1: Totally. Totally. The emergency. They'll, they'll call my husband. They'll call 911 if it's like yeah. that
0: bad. Yeah. We constantly feel like we always need to be available and we really don't. Especially mm-hmm. when you're with your family and you need to focus on that part of your life so you could be successful when you're at work and do the same thing. Um, But you mentioned you want your daughter to grow up in an environment around the community that you're creating with Lively. And you're also, you really stand for size diversity and inclusivity. And how do you feel that the brand has promoted both comfort and also welcoming to all people? Because I think that's really
1: big. Oh, thank you. Um, You know, for me, like I said, I, I grew up always trying to figure out where I fit in and why I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. And it was essentially because I grew up in a very rural community in Pennsylvania. and okay. there was very few Indian people. I'm familiar with yes, that. totally. Yeah, from rural New Jersey, horse yeah. farms everywhere. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Amish, all the things. Um, and so I always struggled with that, you know, mentally. So what I wanted with Lively was there was no common thread line in terms of who was the imagery in, evoked by the brand. It was always this beautiful rainbow of women of all to- types of diversity and um, even like mindsets, for example. And you see that really come through in our imagery, and you know we're actually filming a commercial. And when you see the women in the commercial, it's our—it's the women from our community. It's not hired actors or anything like that. So it's just treating this um, this organism, this community, and this brand just like a network of friends, a neighborhood, a community out in the world, and really keeping that synonymous. It's so beautiful,
0: and you create these comfortable pieces. For women of all sizes yeah. where like I feel bralettes are kind of thought of as like a training bra totally you know <laughs> and now I mean I'm actually wearing one right now I'm not gonna flash you but my friend Allie who um help helps me with this podcast was wearing the same one and it looks so different on her than it does on me but we both love it for different reasons and it's so comfortable oh regardless. I love that yeah. it's
1: funny because when we first started Lively in 2016 we showed we were shooting on women of different body types from our community and so forth and women loved it for loved us for it on social media but they didn't love it on our commerce so they wouldn't click or, you know, our, our site metrics would really fall when we would show diverse women in different body shapes. Post Me Too, now, everyone's ready yeah. for it. But it was a real struggle in the beginning, and we just kept at it, you know? It,
0: I'm just, like, floored by that because it's such common sense. Yeah. Like, I'm very lucky to be growing up in a time where this is all coming about, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine growing up in a time where it wasn't. Right. Like, it just, it's so crazy, Because women didn't change. No. It's not like they all used to be skinny. 100%. So, to be growing up in an environment where that wasn't accepted or you wouldn't click on something just because they didn't look like a model.
1: Exactly. Is
0: really scary. It was
1: nuts. And it was just society and just mental training that we as consumers were used to a certain behavior and now we've changed it, which is awesome. It's beautiful.
0: So you stand for Empowering Women, and you also have launched a podcast called No Makeup Needed, which I was lucky to come on to. Um, why did you choose that name, and how do you inspire and empower people beyond a bra? Oh,
1: thanks. So um, one, thank you for being a guest on our podcast. We're yeah, so fun. excited to have you. Um, you know, it really came from I, from a business perspective. I really immerse myself on things that I'm uncomfortable with. And podcasts were something where I noticed everyone was spending a ton of Ad dollars on podcasts. I'm like, well, I'm not going to invest in a podcast until I understand it. So what better way than to start one? Wow. But that's what,
0: really interesting So yeah. at it from that perspective.
1: Yeah. So there was that business side of it, but then I coupled that with when I would go to events in Nashville or Dallas or, you know, any part of the country, the women in our community would be like, well, Michelle, how did you do this? And I'm like, it wasn't just me. Like there's so many women out there doing crazy, amazing things, but also living their best lives. So I felt like we needed to have a place to tell those stories. Mm-hmm. The name No Makeup Needed came from the concept of, I want women, and even myself, I'm constantly reminding myself to be more and more comfortable with less layers, less makeup, less you know contouring of products, whether it's a, a push-up bra or whatever it is. Finding ways to just be naturally comfortable,
0: yeah,
1: um, so. or even
0: beyond the makeup, less facades,
1: yeah, yeah, in general, exactly. Just you know, so no makeup needed was just a kind of a nod to that whole vibe.
0: That's fun. What have you learned since starting a podcast?
1: Oh my God. First of all, isn't
0: it a challenge?
1: It's challenging, but so cathartic.
0: Oh, yeah, to sit and have conversations 100%. It's
1: so fun. And people are so honest without the cameras and Mm. like knowing that they're going to be, you know, on a television or whatever it is. The honesty that comes out on a podcast has just blown my mind. Um, But for me, you know, I could go from having a tough morning to having the best day ever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, after a good conversation. Yeah. I found, too, because I do a lot of reading and listening, like reading a blog interview... You get so much more with a podcast conversation because you're able to like have follow-up questions or give a longer answer that not isn't necessarily typed out in paragraph form.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you also have like a, a funny bond with the people. I don't know if you've noticed this. Oh yeah, but there's just like this nice little bond you have um, after you've had these conversations. For sure. So
0: I read an interview where you had mentioned that it's more important for you to own your business and empower your employees to be creative and thrive rather than just to operate. How do you? How has your managing experience evolved, and how did you come to that conclusion?
1: Sure. I mean, still something I'm working on, to be totally honest. But becoming a manager in my career was the hardest thing for me. And Were
0: you managing others at Victoria's Secret?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I had my first managerial role at VF Corporation when I was working on brands like Nautica. And when I went to VS, that's when it became really difficult for me. I, I was going to work on Saturdays and Sundays because Monday through Friday, I was trying to learn how to be a manager when you're managing people, you don't actually have time to do your work.
0: Are you a type A? Like, get <laughs> oh, it done yourself. Me like, too. crazy yeah. type A. <laughs> like, the kid in class who, like, didn't want to work on a group project and would rather just Just do it. Yeah, like, And give you guys credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's fine. I'll take care of it. <laughs> yes.
1: So once I launched Lively, had this newborn, Jack, I realized I was literally, like, walking sideways. My husband's like, Michelle, this is crazy. And not only is it crazy, but you're really having a horrible example for your team. And funny enough, I had this experience with Tony Robbins. Did Um, you go
0: to one of his seminars?
1: He actually chose Lively with Shopify to be one of eight entrepreneurs that he mentored. And took us to Fiji for a week and just had this really in-depth mentorship. Casual. I mean, totally casual. And the biggest learning that he shared with me, he was like, look, Michelle, you are going to succeed. I can just see it in your eyes. But you're going to sacrifice to do it and so the mission that you're living and you're creating you're actually not following right now and the only way you're going to do that is if you own your company instead of operate it and i was like interesting he was like you need the company to kind of live and breathe without you so that you can go on to create bigger things and better things and really stay focused on the culture and the change you want to make in the world And I came back and I was on a mission to create efficiency and really delegate and build an organization that could live without me. Easier said than done, I'm sure. So hard. But I think the thing that is most um, evident of that shift was before I went to Fiji, we had a 1,000 ambassadors. When I came back from Fiji, we had a 1,000 ambassadors a week. Wow. And so I just really sat down and thought about where – is our sweet spot. How do I create efficiency and build an organization around those few things? And our company just kinda of went on a hockey stick. That's type of so creepy there's
0: like that saying, like, and I'm gonna butcher this right now, if you wanna go far you need each other, but if you want to go fast, you do it alone. Totally, that wasn't horrible. Yeah. that wasn't as yeah. bad as I could have pictured it. But you get the point. I'm terrible at those things. Yeah, I'm like horse and water, mm, half a dozen kind of or something. Yeah, sure. <laughs> But it's so true. You need a team of people who not only do a good job but feel empowered, like they can make decisions.
1: Yeah. And as a business owner, I'm sure you share this. It's the hardest thing.
0: Yeah, it's very hard. And I manage other people at Rumble, and then even creating this podcast and working with them like it's very difficult to expect things to be done in the way that you would do them because 9 times out of 10 they won't be done in the way that you would do them. But that's not necessarily a bad thing that's and a that's good what you have thing. to learn. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and there's all these different points of view and then you're thriving because you have all of the different points of view.
1: Yeah. So, I think the greatest feeling is when I go on vacation and the business is doing better without me.
0: <laughs> you know what? I haven't done that yet, so I'll let you know Success. when I get to <laughs> it. Um So what is your mission and what message do you really hope that now that you've empowered your employees that Lively and yourself leave on today's society? I know we touched on that a little bit, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, I think my overall goal in life is for women to see that they don't have to just participate in what they love, but they can lead. And when they do lead, logical things come to the forefront that we as women have always needed, but always thought were not... Um, acceptable or possible. And so what I've really learned is women um, right now have the greatest opportunity to make the impossible possible.
0: That's so beautiful. (laughs) For a young girl or a young woman who is not used to leading, like it's so out of her comfort zone, what would you suggest she does to kind of force herself to believe that it is possible. Because it is, but also breaking that mindset is really challenging.
1: It's nuts. And so what I used to think about is, like, I dreamt of having a company. I dreamt of being a CEO. And I, it's funny. In 2008, I actually wrote on a review at Victoria's Secret. One of my old bosses recently showed this to me. It said, where do you want to be in five years? And said, I wanted to be CEO. Like, I was so ignorant in yeah. 2008. But that dream felt so un- untouchable and tangible. Once I created goals and steps towards it and started taking one step at a time, things started to become more and more feasible. I didn't know how I was going to finish the race or end the Super Bowl or the game. I just knew if I kept taking one step after the other after the other, I would build momentum, build strength. perseverance
0: that's such a good transition because the whole entire theme of not my best is really not striving for the biggest biggest goal and trying to jump and then quitting when you fall short Um, but it's just trying to become a little bit better in every single step that you do which will get you a lot farther than trying to be at your best 100% of the time which leads me into this next question I always say that we're not meant to perform at our best 100% of the time because we're not robots, and you've balanced so much. So was there a specific time when you felt like you were producing less than what you expected from yourself, and how did you handle it so that you didn't quit and you kept going to become a CEO?
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh. I still constantly have those battles, but I would say the best time um, that I think is more, most indicative is I brought Jack home from the hospital in February of 2020, 20- 17. So my company wasn't even a year old, and at that time we were moving warehouses. We had thousands of customers writing in with problems and issues, and I had this newborn and a laptop, and it was 3 a.m. and I was just like, everything is about to crumble. That's not a pretty picture. (laughs) And I was terrified because my team is like, what should we do? And in that moment, I just realized. All I need to do is really just figure out like two to three things to get me through the next day and the next day and the next day. And so it's really, for me, what I really try to figure out is it's it's not about the business strategy or the team culture. It's the mental muscle. I just have to keep building my mental muscle just like I would if I were a marathon runner at mm-hmm. the gym, right? And so the stronger I you know get that muscle and the more nurturing and that sleep that's food that's water the more i take care of this muscle the stronger that i'm going to be as an entrepreneur as a mother and as a friend
0: it all starts with you if you take care of yourself then you can manage other things the
1: rest will come and
0: i i often make to-do lists so i'll make a gigantic one of like everything I can think of that's lingering on my plate and then I'll break it down into smaller ones the night before of what I want to get done that day in a realistic fashion because I know that I won't get to it all. Yes. Um, And I think that breaking it down into smaller chunks will help me rather than like trying to figure it all out at once and then getting frustrated when I can't.
1: Totally. Like burnout is my biggest Achilles heel. When I nurture myself, that is when things thrive. What's your
0: go-to like self- when you're feeling burnt out.
1: Oh my gosh. So I'll take a day, I'll go to a class, I'll actually eat well, drink tons of water, get a blowout.
0: Love that.
1: <laughs> Listen to a podcast, and then have dinner with my family. But I'll spend the day by myself, lunch by myself, all of it.
0: That's so great. There's nothing better than a good sweat followed by a good blowout.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Sweat then glam,
0: then yeah. lunch. 100%. <laughs> so what's next for lively?
1: So Lively's at an amazing space right now. We're about to be four years old, but I feel like we went from baby to teenager. Our company was acquired last summer, and now she's in a place where she's going to thrive no matter what. She has this team, this community, and now a company really having her back. I now know she will live on decades to come and be this, this logo that women see all around the world. And when they do see it, they'll hear passion, purpose, and confidence.
0: Passion, purpose, and confidence. And don't forget, you said before, kick ass. That's right. Which is very important. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming.
1: Where can they find you
0: and where can they find Lively?
1: Sure. So you can find Lively at wearlively.com and at wearlively on Instagram. And you can find me at the underscore Michelle Grant.
0: Great. And this is Julia Stern with Not My Best Podcast. You can find me on all social channels at Julia L. Stern. You can find the show at Not My Best Podcast. Go out there, stop trying to live your best life and start actually living a better one. See you next week.